welcome back once again to another episode of Theology Doesn't Suck. As always, I am your host, one of your hosts actually, Josh Patterson. With me today is our newest co-host, Marty Frederick. What's going on, Marty? Whoop, whoop. What's going on? I'm here. <laughs> whoop, whoop. <laughs> I dig it. That was, that was probably the most hyped, like, uh, intro, you know, to have the whoop, whoop going on. Yeah, now now we just have to make sure our awesome producer, Matt, puts some really, like, epic music behind that intro, and then we can kick it <laughs> off with just all gold. Yeah, whoop, whoop. Take this brown, podcast brown, platinum. Brown, brown, brown. Take it platinum. Yeah, be <laughs> ball out hard. Dude, all right, so question, and hopefully, hopefully I'm allowed to ask you this on air. There's a, so... You you go by Marty. Yep. But that is not your birth name, right? Correct. What is your birth name? My 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 full birth name or just my like first first name? Yeah, your first name. Martin. It's just Martin. Okay. Can you so if I remember correctly, there's like a pretty funny story you told me about uh when you first started to work at your not the job you're at now, but the previous oh, church. Yeah. With your name, can you share that story? Because I think it's great. Yeah. So when I when I I had always gone by Marty. You know, it's, it's it's simple. You know, my wife called me Marty. My mom called me Marty. My 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 dad, my brothers, my sisters, everyone called me Marty. So I thought, you know what? You know, like I've got this seminary degree now. Like I'm kind of growing up a little bit. You know, maybe I should go by Martin. So you know, I was I was interviewing at this new church. It was all the way across the country. So I'm thinking, I lived in the Washington, like the Seattle Washington area. I'm interviewing at this church that's in Florida. So I'm thinking, man, if I'm going to go for a name change, this is the time. So I, on my resume, it said Martin, uh, you know, and all of my communication with the church up, up until a certain point, I was, you know, signing my emails with Martin. Everything was Martin. And, uh, but then I had forgotten that the email that I was using had the word, had, had my name as Marty as part of the email in there. And so I was communicating with this email, but signing everything as Martin. So they were receiving the email and it said Marty Frederick, but I was signing everything with Martin. And so then they hmm. asked me, so do you go by Marty or Martin? We're kind of curious. And I, this was the defining moment. Uh, if I would have <laughs> said Martin, that would have been it. I would have been Martin for the next two and a half years, probably still now, although my wife probably never would have called me that. Uh, and my, my, my <laughs> friends would have been like, no, we're not calling you Martin. You're, you're Marty. There's no way that we're calling you Martin. But I, I kind of choked up and I said, uh, you know, either one's fine, hoping that they would just leave it alone. But the guy said, no, no, which one do you prefer? And so I had to make a choice. And I said, oh, Marty's fine. <laughs> so... So you chickened out when I, that's funny. Imagine the first time if I met you, cause that was prior to me coming on. If I met you as pastor Martin, <laughs> I wonder if that would have changed our friendship. You probably wouldn't all. have liked me at all. You wouldn't have wanted to hang out. <laughs> I'm like, Hey Josh, you want to come Martin on over guy? and you know watch a movie or something? You and your wife come over for Thanksgiving. Oh no, man, we're good. I think we're going to hang out with them with some people with cooler names than Martin. <laughs> <laughs> Marty is pretty fly. Pastor Marty. Yeah. I think that has more of a ring to it than pastor Martin. Yeah. But you know, it's like, a, it's like with names. If you think about it, like you call someone Marty, like you call me Marty because that's how you know me. But if you would have met me as Martin, the persona that I am, 
would have been, oh, that's Martin. That's how he is. You know, and like, oh, so sure, like sure. it would have like a, all of who I am would have been applied to that name and the name wouldn't have, I wouldn't have mattered. And if I was like, oh, yeah, I used to right. be called Marty. You'd be like, man, that's weird. Marty sounds like a kid name. So, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> no, it's good. I think, um, well, there is a famous pastor, Martin, right? Martin Lloyd-Jones. Oh, I thought you were going to go with a different famous pastor. Martin Luther. <laughs> <laughs> or Martin Luther King Jr. But Or Martin Luther King Jr. That's true. Yeah. I guess I overlooked it because I recently uh, followed Martin Lloyd-Jones quotes or something like that with our Instagram feed, so it keeps popping up. Nice. Nice. And he says very, like almost clickbaity kind of things like very blunt heavy hitting things <laughs> well, yeah, sometimes that's that's what you need to do to get attention but josh you just mentioned something and i think it's pretty interesting you mentioned our instagram feed so we have an instagram that people can follow i didn't even know this we do yeah we have an instagram feed that people can follow at theology doesn't suck it's not a very creative name but we stuck with the podcast name theology doesn't suck look us up uh, the profile picture is like the same picture you should be seeing, you know, in your little podcast app. Um, it's like blue and orange. It has cute little cartoon faces of Marty and I, um, which I think is amazing that Marty's character even has that little sliv- sliver of gray at the bottom of the beard yeah. just for realism. And the reason I have that in the picture, one, is because it's actually how I look. Um, but but also because I really like Science Mike. So if any of you guys like Science Mike or Mike McHargue or however you think of him, uh, he has that as well in his beard. He has a red beard and he has a little bit of white in that. So Science Mike, if you're listening, I'm all for your beard. I love it. Um, I really hope you're <laughs> listening to this podcast because someday we're going to ask you to come on because um, we like you, too. Um but I don't know if you guys could see Josh. Uh, I mean, obviously you couldn't see Josh, but when he was he was describing the image for the podcast, he was actually making a square with his fingers uh, on the I on was. the Skype call. So just in case you were unsure what it, like what the image looked like, he was kind of like holding up a square. So just so you guys know that, um, you know, Josh and I do this via Skype, and we get to look at each other. Uh, and we get to see us each other doing dumb things all the time. Like there's a there's a <laughs> box from Chewy.com over Josh's left shoulder. There is, yeah. This so this our my quote unquote recording studio, aka the guest room, has been transformed into our once a box is packed, go put it in that mm. room. And so Chewy is our dog food provider. We uh, we have our dog food shipped to our house, so we don't have to go to the store. And it's also cheaper that way because we buy bougie food for our dogs. They're on the Hills Science Diet. So all you dog lovers out there, make sure you feed your dogs good food so they don't die. Uh, But, yeah, that's why the box says Chewy. And so it comes in nice big boxes like that, so we always save them. uh, So when we move, we can just, you know, retape them up and peace out. And, by the way, Chewy isn't a sponsor of ours, neither is Science Mike. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) But we just like talking about stuff like this because it's funny and so uh, Mm. interesting because you get to learn a little bit about each one of us. Also, Martin uh, Frederick is a sponsor of this podcast. Um, Ah. But, you know, possibly, you know, the other Martins that we were talking about, I don't know that they're sponsors of our podcast. Probably not. Yeah, probably not. Probably not. It might be cool, though. I wonder, is it illegal to say certain companies do sponsor our podcast, even if we're not getting money from them? Like, just use their name. Like, if we were like, oh, yeah, today's episode is brought to you by 
Chewy.com. <laughs> Buy your dog food from there. It's free advertising for them. Is it illegal for us? Well, I don't know that it's illegal, but it definitely isn't ethical. But, you know, that could be a good idea for a podcast in the future, something about ethics. So we, we could. Ah, oh, we should. Yeah, that's that's a really good idea. Marty is foreshadowing because we just had a conversation about an ethics book that I've been reading. And if you follow us on Twitter, I've been tweeting quotes from it. And uh, there's a high possibility that the author of said ethics book is going to come have a cool conversation with us about some ethical stuff um, in the future. So there you have it. Can I just let the cat out of the bag before we were ready to let the cat out of the bag? I shouldn't have done that. No, you're good. I don't think it's, you know, I don't I don't think there's any legal repercussions. If anything, it just gets the people fired yeah, up. Yeah, well, hopefully you know, they get hyped. Hopefully it's enough to hear Josh and I every week, but if not, <laughs> uh, there there are a good a good number of special guests coming up on the podcast that we're excited about, so. Yeah, and what you could do is you could perhaps vote on some people that you might like to see on the podcast. Maybe we could throw up a poll or uh, you guys could just email in and let us know some people that you would like, uh, you know, like to to have us come on, or some books that we should read and and check out, or you know, different ideas. Um, vote on those things, and then maybe we can do an episode on it. I think that's a good idea. So yeah, go ahead and email us. Um, is our email on the website, Josh, or is that is that how, what's the best way they can get that, that they can get that information? Yeah, yeah, yeah. If they go to theologydoesn'tsuck dot com and uh, click on the contact us page, which makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, then they can contact us. There's a form there, you know, put in your information, send it. That goes directly to the Gmail, myself, Marty, Matt, our producer. We all get it. Um, so if you write something mean like, hey, Josh, Marty sucks. Love, you know, whoever, Marty will see it. So if you're vindictive, go for it. But if you don't want him to see it, then just DM me on Instagram. But, you know, if you want to send it to Marty, you say Martin sucks. Then neither Josh <laughs> nor I would know who you were talking about. But even if That's even true. if you say that I suck, listen, I don't find any any you know benefit from like you know being worried about what anyone thinks of me. So you guys can say whatever you want, um, and uh, I'm just happy to be alive. So, and that's Praise the truth. God. That's <laughs> and that's the end of our <laughs> podcast for today. This has been that's the truth with Martin Frederick. <laughs> <laughs> Sweet. All right, man. Well, transitions have never really been my thing. Um, so pardon the lame transition. But we do have a topic for today that we'd like to talk about, although hopefully you appreciate uh, Marty and I's uh, banter with boyish attitude. Um, <laughs> uh, goodness. Again, bad with transitions. But I did mention something called voting. And so there's, I think it's an extremely relevant topic, um, especially in today's day and age with the the political climate, the way it is, the way we talk to one another on social media, the way the body of Christ has been divided by politics and by various, you know, uh, positions about different, uh, different things. So the question today, Marty, is should Christians vote or can Christians vote might be a better question. All right. Talk to you next yeah. week. Uh, theology doesn't suck. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So there you go, Marty. There's there's your answer. So, yeah, that's our question for today. Should Christians vote or can Christians quote? Which which one do you like better, Marty? Should should they vote or can they I, vote? I think it's – well, I, I think both have similar connotations to them. And they also have – they obviously have different connotations. But I think – I think if you can say should Christians vote makes a, a little bit more sense. Can Christians vote? 
uh, seems to seems to have sort of the idea that, you know, there's something keeping them from doing it because of their faith. And I don't think that that's the truth necessarily. Ah, uh, yes. Um, but I think the okay. question, should Christians vote, is a really interesting question. And I think that question um, is deserved. It's deserved of a real good conversation around the topic. Um, yeah, absolutely. So, jo- go ahead. And I think go I- ahead. after you. Oh, I was going to say, I know too, Marty, these, these kind of things are, are actually conversations you and I yeah. have had before right. in the past. Um, and it's actually interesting, I think, because you and I definitely uh, have some differences uh, within these kind of realms, within these questions. So I think it's why it's a really good topic for today. But also, like I said, it's so, uh, it's so relevant with just like, you know, the heat of everything going on, like election seasons ramping up again. So like, you know, all the hot topic issues are getting blasted again from all, you know, angles. Facebook is is going wild. Instagram, the Twitter sphere, whatever is just, you know, in shambles. So I think it's a completely, you know, relevant topic for us to, to talk about today. Yeah, I agree. And so, you know, as we were kind of thinking about what to do with this topic, uh, Josh, you had sent over uh, to me uh, to kind of take a look at a chapter from a book. Can you talk, can you kind of set that up a little bit? And then I think we can uh, kind of dig in a little bit to what that book was and what our thoughts were on that. So. Yeah, for sure. So actually the book is one that if you've been listening to us uh, here at Theology Doesn't Suck for, um, I don't know, I guess it's been, uh, it's been a while now since she's been on, but actually one of our, one of our guests that we have had on in the past is Bonnie Christian, and she wrote a fantastic book. Again, I can't uh, recommend it, you know, more than I already have, called A Flexible Faith, Rethinking What It Means to Follow Jesus Today. And so what Bonnie did was basically she wrote a book that covered some some really big questions and presents various perspectives and presents each perspective uh, completely fairly uh, on how Christians might answer that question within the realm of orthodoxy. Interesting. Um, And so actually she has a chapter in her book called Should Christians Vote? She lays out for us one, two, three, four different positions, gives her own uh, understanding and yeah, so that's that's kind of where the idea stemmed from. Again, Bonnie, thank you so much for your book. You are an amazing guest. Uh, we would love to have you again mm-hmm. on sometime. Um, but yeah, your book is impacting us yet again. Yeah. So as <laughs> I this is not read the first or the last chapter, time I'm sure I will Bonnie kind reference of gives, her book here on the show. Yeah. Hey, Josh. Can I can't, but I keep getting uh, cut out. Okay, hold on. Well, I'm internet, going to internet keep rolling more than anything on the Skype. I'm going to text my wife and ask her to can you please shut off TV? It's affecting my Wi-Fi. We have to stream our TV because we're poor, and so we uh, <laughs> when it's on and it's getting streamed uh, through the Wi-Fi, it can degrade our Got stuff it. here. Um, also, if it gets too bad, Marty, let me know, and we can go to um, no yeah. video. That way, you can't see me and just be. Well, audio I wouldn't only, want to do that. Anyway, as you, <laughs> <laughs> as you're saying, Matt, you can make the decision. You can either leave that bit in so we can have a good, genuine, you know, real life podcast, or you can cut All it right. out. Up to you, bud. So yeah, Josh. <laughs> so uh, as I was kind of reading through the chapter uh, of. Uh, 
titled Should Christians Vote? Uh, Bonnie really sets up uh, essentially four different things, uh, four different options on the topic of how sort of Christians view politics, how they view government. Uh, and so those those four different ones were triumphalism, transformationalism, dualism, and separationism. And uh, when I when I think mm-hmm. about Josh, um, I think anything that means uh, Christians should have no part of politics whatsoever. Uh, and I, I'm saying this in a <laughs> semi colloquial way, by the way. So uh, I don't want to I don't want to I don't want to paint you with the wrong brush. So uh, as you kind of read no, through this, good. Josh, which one would you kind of say you fell under, or maybe kind of describe that that specific category? Describe my yeah. own personal category. Okay, sure. Yeah, so I would definitely fall into what's called the separationism uh, category, which ultimately, uh, just a disclaimer right off the front, that does not mean that Christians can't vote. However, because of my convictions within the separationism uh, perspective, the overwhelming majority of the time I choose not to vote, um, if that makes sense. And so really... Uh, The idea here with uh, separationism is that the kingdom of God is ultimately what we are loyal to. And so there's kind of this this dualism. And actually, that's one of the perspectives. Um, It's just, you know, it happens to share a name. But there's this dualism, Marty, that's often created, I think, within our, our world where there's, you know, as Christians, at least we have the kingdoms of this world, you know, the world as we know it. And then we have the kingdom of God. And so ultimately, I think this conversation comes down to where or how we understand uh, what that kingdom is, the kingdom of God. And so for me, um, there's these two kingdoms that are demanding our loyalty. Is it the a kingdom of this world? In our case, since we're living in the United States, uh, the United States of America or the kingdom of God. And so for me, I choose to place my ultimate Uh, loyalty within the kingdom of God, and I can't pledge my allegiance, uh, you know, to any uh, other kingdom um, strictly because of that, if that makes sense. And so we can get more into kind of the weeds um, of that, you know, what kind of what things I would consider appropriate or not appropriate, but that's the general understanding of my position. Um, So I guess we'll come back to it. I think it would be interesting, though, can I try to take a guess, Marty, on yeah, where I'd you might fall? Yeah, I'd love to hear fall? your guess. I bet you're wrong. Yeah. You think I'm wrong? Oh, okay. I would guess, my guess would be transformation. Wow, you're pretty good. You actually did get it. I can't believe you got it. <laughs> Boom! So, Roasted. Um, I know wow, you better than man. you think. I guess, I guess uh, <laughs> hopefully everyone, all of you listeners get to know me in the same way Josh does. Then you might know me. That'd be really awesome. Uh-uh. Um, so transform- transformationalism uh, essentially is uh, the, the, the first sentence of Bonnie's book essentially says, for Christians who believe government isn't currently functioning as God's tool, but that it could be, transformationalism will resonate. I can't even say the word transformationalism, so I don't know that I should should be along with that one. (laughs) But, you know, basically this is, so if you think of your classic Puritan thought process, uh, you know, as you you may know, the Puritans left England and they moved over to the New World sort of to have a colonial settlement in the the 17th century. And the idea behind that was not to move and to be gone from England for the rest of eternity, but instead to go over to this new place, establish 
government based solely on scripture to show the world back home that they could that this could be possible that that government could be transformed from a secular type thing over to a scriptural type thing now i want to preface all that by saying i don't believe that that's the direction that American government or world government these days ought to go. Um, I don't believe that. I, I personally believe in sort of, I, I guess as I was kind of reading through this, Josh, I kind of, I struggled between uh, transformationalism and dualism only just because I, mm, because I, I was kind of thinking about the idea that like, I, I, I do think that American and just general world politics does have an that does play an important role in the society of our world and i and part of what i you know i as i kind of think through these things i say you know like should christians vote absolutely because of simply just because of the fact that you know if we don't vote there are going to be others that will vote and our voice although albeit a small one um doesn't necessarily get the voice to kind of put the people in place that we think are going to make the difference and make transformations to our world and to our society as we kind of see fit now i want to preface all of that well preface not i, I want to back up all that by saying I realize that not everybody sees the world that I do the way I do. And so it becomes difficult to see the world, I think, solely that way for me, just because I know that there are so many people out there, even in my own family, uh, that don't see the world the same way that I do. And so to kind of say, oh, well, this is my position. Take that with a grain of salt, listeners, simply just because of the fact that my position um, necessarily shouldn't affect you to have to to want to do it just like I'm doing it, but just more so to hear kind of, oh, okay, this is kind of one of those other positions. Sure. Yeah, no, I think that's really good, Marty. Thank you for breaking that down. And then would you like to maybe, well, how about this? I will, just so our listeners have a general idea and then we'll go back to, you know, your and I position. Maybe I could break down dualism since I already kind of mentioned it. And then would you like to drop it like it's hot on triumphalism for us? Just so people yeah. know those perspectives. And then we can kind of talk about how we differ, why we Sounds differ, great. and things like that. Maybe some implications. Cool. All right. So basically, dualism is uh, literally the idea that God rules over humanity using two distinct kingdoms. Obviously, the kingdom of the world, which is our government and the kingdom of heaven, which is the church. And this is uh, this position was definitely, uh, and the book alludes to this, points out, this is where Martin Luther um, kind of uh, fell on things. So this, I don't want to make an overarching, you know, stance for Reformed people as a whole. And Marty, maybe you can speak to this since you uh, worked in a Reformed church for some time. Um, but basically, it seems to be the, the theology of the, the Reformers um, Martin Luther specifically was this dualistic understanding that there's this the kingdom of God and there's the kingdom of the world and God chooses to rule things through both of them. And so um, kind of the difference would be that within the realm of the kingdom of heaven, you know, people who are that are saved, that are Christians, um, they uh, have to utilize things. Um, like peacemaking with each other and, you know, following, you know, rejecting violence towards one another, all those kind of things, being meek, peaceful and generous, you know, towards each other. Uh, but that's only for within the church. Outside of the church, however, that's a rubbish way to ru- uh, rule things, as this position would say. And, you know, things like violence and um, all that kind of stuff can be justified as a worldly government. Um, 
you know, otherwise, Martin Luther went on record to say, if governments didn't use violence against each other, bad people uh, would devour each other. Um, and so trying to rule a whole country or the world by means of the gospel is like herding together wolves, lions, eagles, and sheep in the same pen and expecting the sheep to survive. Loving your enemy is good for church, but catastrophic for government. And so that's the dualistic mm. perspective. Interesting. I have some qualms with that, Marty. Well, but it's closer to your per- it's <laughs> closer to your to own that. position than mine. So um. <laughs> it is, but I would attack that position rather strongly, actually. Well, don't attack me, bro. Um, no, I won't so, attack you. Uh, so then, I guess the <laughs> final position, although this is the first position that Bonnie lays out in her book, uh, is triumphalism. And so the triumphalism position is really based off of a Romans thirteen. Um, idea of government. And so from right off the top from Romans 13, one, uh, it says everyone must submit himself to the governing authorities for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have, exist have been established by God. Consequently, he who rebels against the authority is rebelling against what, what God has instituted and those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. So the idea that this Romans 13 uh, position is essentially almost I mean, I don't want to quite, I don't know that it goes as far, but almost in sort of like a monarchical uh, kind of way where, you know, you're looking at society as in essentially God will simply place someone into power. And so no matter who that person is, whether they agree with your personal view of politics or not, um, you simply need to get on board with what they're doing, fall in line with the way that they believe and the way that they think, and then to simply just be on board with that. So, you know, as you kind of work through, uh, and so the, the, uh, uh, the, the, the last paragraph of triumphalism says, as for voting historically, triumphalism flourished under governments without elections, but this positive view of the state suggests that voting and working for the government are good things. Um, so as we kind of think about like a triumphalism viewpoint, um, you, you would kind of be willing to say, I don't care if it's, you know, Donald Trump as the president or Barack Obama as president, uh, that's my president and I'm going to support them hundred percent, no matter what their, their stances are full well, knowing that maybe a month before that you were dead set against one or the other, uh, until the person was actually voted in. And then you say, okay, I put all my eggs into this person's basket now and I'm fully on board almost kind of, I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to paint it in a negative light, but almost in a blind sense of sort of like, you know, God has sure. put this person in place. So I'm just on board no matter what. Yeah. And I think, and maybe this is a harsh critique, but I also think it's completely true. And, and maybe you, you feel free to disagree with me, Marty, but I, it seems to me that when people take a triumphalistic perspective, it's when their specific candidate is in office. The way you just described it seems to be too idealistic to me. I don't know too many people uh, who actually follow that. And specifically, it seems to be that a lot of people within the evangelical realm would throw around things within this, you know, triumphalism uh, perspective uh, during the Donald Trump presidency. Like we always hear these kind of things when those same people in the same breath completely bash and destroy Barack Obama. And so I think... I don't know. It seems to me that there's a lot of uh, that the position itself is very idealistic. Um, I have some other qualms Mm -hmm. with it as well, but I've never seen it actually carried out 
fully and truly as stated, you know, within the sure, how I, you just I, stated I, I would, it, basically. I would, I, would, I would bet that that's probably true, but I, but I would also bet that um, there's probably people out there that do do that, you know, and, you know, they, they, they specifically mm-hmm. do that more so because they're maybe in a position of small leadership where they want to encourage those that follow them to kind of be in the same boat. Um, so not, not necessarily taking pastors as just the number one person, but maybe like a pastor or a rabbi or someone like that might be more willing, at least in a public sense, you know, to their congregation and to their group that, that, that they sort of lead to kind of say, no guys, we need to rally behind this person, even though it's not the one that we wanted to be in there. Uh, I mean, now, I mean, I granted how they feel on the inside, you know, that might be different, but I, I could see like maturity stepping in above that and someone being willing to do it. Um, but I think I think it's okay. tough in today's day and age simply just because politics is very, very, very divided. Uh, and so, you know, it's particularly now where, you know, you can't you can't be on board with what with this thing if you're on board with this thing anymore. And you can't you can't right, you know, two right. different topics, two topics that don't even really necessarily correlate, you know, oh, well, if you're a Republican, you've got to feel this way. And if you're a Democrat, you've got to feel this way. Uh, And I feel like there's been ways to kind of break those barriers down, but I still think there are people that kind of think that way. So I think it's tough. You know, it's, I mean, I think specifically about some Christians and I I know we're not going there uh, in this podcast, but you know, (laughs) if you're a Christian and you oppose um, abortion and there's a Democrat that becomes president, um, Many of you probably feel like there's just no way you could ever, ever, ever support this this specific person simply just because of their belief on abortion. And so I think that there is that, Josh, and I think that um, this triumphalism thought process, it seems like it's the best. It seems like it ought to be the way we should go. Uh, as people, you know, we should be willing to support who's in place, no matter what they they view, simply because they've been. I mean, really, if you think about it, they have been placed by God uh, in, into a position of leadership, whether we like it or not. Um, you know, I mean, if they're there, you know, I have to believe that God, you know, knew that was going to be the way it was going to be. Um, so I, I guess there is all of that, but I'm kind of rambling off now. So I'm gonna. <laughs> no, you're good. No, yeah, I think that's it's I think that's important. I also um, I would push back and say I'm not fully convinced that God placed them there. Uh, However, that, again, is an episode for another time. (laughs) I'm not professing open theism at this current point in time. Contrary to popular belief, I'm not an open theist. Um, Anywho, moving on. Um, Something I thought that was interesting that you brought up, Marty, and I was really specifically interested to hear your perspective on it. Um, and then I can kind of give my two cents, but within transformationalism, I guess you have an easier time maybe reconciling, so to speak, or, or I hate that language, but, uh, Romans 13 that you brought up. So how do you personally view Romans 13? And then how do you, how has that influenced your opinions on this matter? So do you mean Romans 13 in reference to transformationalism or in reference to triumphalism? Uh, for you specifically. So within transformationalism, yeah, yeah, yeah. So how, what does that mean to you? How do you, cause that's that, I mean, that's a very common, you know, as soon as I tell people that like, I tend to be more standoffish or that I don't vote, they throw Romans 13 at me immediately and we've seen presidents use it we've seen people running for office use it on all sides of the table it's extremely common um i have thoughts on it but i'm interested to hear yeah i think you know as i kind of read through romans 13 um 
in just that like that specific portion, everyone must submit himself to the governing authorities, for there's no authority except that which God has established. Um, I mean, I personally, although I would not call myself reformed at all, um, hold a very strong view of the sovereignty of God. Um, and so I, I would, you know, I would read that verse. Everyone must submit himself to the governing authorities for there's no authority except that which God has established and say that is absolutely true. Uh, you know, my personal belief, there's no, you know, I would say as I think about, you know, the different presidents we've had, but, you know, even just going on a local level, you know, going down to like your local mayor uh, or like maybe someone that's like a commissioner of some type in your city or whatever your city government, however that's sort of put together. Um, you know, I read Romans 13 and I say, hey, listen, that person's in, in authority. They've been placed in that authority by the general consensus of people. And I have to believe that that general consensus of people obviously are not all going to be followers of Christ. You know, there's just no way. I mean, we know that to be true statistically, but also just, you know, if we, if you pull the hundred people in today's society all from the same town, the chances of them all being Christ followers is zero. Um, and so when I think about, <laughs> so when I think about that, right. I say, okay, like, you know, does that pose a problem for me that, God could be working through people who aren't followers to put the person in place that he believes needs to be in place. And that doesn't pose a problem for me at all, just simply because of my view of his sovereignty, you know, and knowing that in my, in, in my view of scripture and my view of God, that, you know, I am a pastor at this church that I work at now because God placed me here. Um, sure, I applied. And sure, I went through the process of, you know, interviewing and visiting the church and being a part of that. And that was all a real thing. I did those things as a human being. I physically went and did those things. But the, when it all comes down to it, I'm not here because I did something great, but instead because God wanted me here for a purpose. Um, and I And I kind of think mm. about that similarly along that line you know in the, in the in the in the rest of verse 1 it says the the authorities that exist have been established by god um and so just real quick as i read the, this is i'm reading out of the NIV and this is the NIV study bible and at the bottom it says for for Romans 13:1 it says are there times when we should not submit to the government we should never allow government to force us to disobey god Jesus and his disciples never disobeyed the government for personal reasons. When they disobeyed, it was in order to follow their higher loyalty to God. Their disobedience was not cheap. They were threatened, beaten, thrown into jail, tortured, or executed for their convictions. Like them, if we are compelled to disobey, we must be ready to accept the consequences. Um, and so that that's kind of the opposing side for me. And, you know, as I think about, you know, just to make a to take a really simple metaphor and to boil it down, when I leave from my very secret, undisclosed lo podcast recording location to go back to my house, <laughs> when I get to my house, along the way, I'm going to have been faced with many opportunities to either obey the government of the county that I live in or to disobey the government of the county that I live in. And, 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 and you know, a number of different ways. Uh, if I text at all while driving home, if I make a phone call, which is not legal in my county to be on the phone while driving, um, if I um, if I speed if I blow a stop sign, if I run through a yellow light and I'm not halfway through the intersection by the time it turns red, uh, but instead I'm like barely across the line and the light turns red, I've broken the law. You know, these are these are not the types of things that this study Bible is talking about, where it's like a personal 
you know, I'm driving home and I'm breaking the law because I just really want to send that one final text to my wife. Yes, I love you, too. I can't wait to get home. That is not what they're talking Mm -hmm. about. What they're talking about is, you know, if the if the government of our country all of a sudden started to say, if you are a Christian and you profess in your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are no longer allowed to own any type of cell phone whatsoever. You're no longer allowed to own a computer. You're no longer allowed to own a Bible or any of those types of things, because if you do own those things, you're breaking the law because the high supreme ruler of the land has said that no Christians can own these things. Um, I would have a choice to make, you know, because one, being a part of this podcast, I believe helps a lot of people. And I believe a lot of people can listen to this podcast and say, oh, that's an interesting. I can't believe they that this is the topic I was just having last night with somebody. I wish someone would kind of flesh this out more. You know, should Christians vote? Should Christians be a part of that? You know, be a part of this. And there's a lot of problems with Christians looking at voting just on a basic level. And now they're talking about this. So if I couldn't own a computer and I couldn't own a cellular phone to talk with Josh and text with Josh and, you know, set up all these things and we could have communication about this podcast and I couldn't own a Bible, I would have to draw the line there and say, I'm okay without a computer or a phone. I guess I could figure out, I could write him a letter, right? But the Bible would be the one thing <laughs> you telling me I can't own that I would be willing personally to break the law over. So again, hello, hmm. hello, uh, I, you know, CIA, if you're listening to our podcast and watching our Skype feed, I would break the law if you told me I couldn't own a Bible. Um, so just putting it out there. You stick it to the That's man, right. Marty. I'm not going to let them take yeah, my Bible away from me. Um, so so yeah, I think hard. about that just for me personally <laughs> is I think about the way that that looks is, you know, is in connection to transformationalism. I think that, you sure. know, I, that was a big setup, I realized. So I'm glad you all hung with me. And if you didn't, come back. Um, so yeah, so right as, as I think about that in, in connection to transformationalism, that I think about how we can be willing to – be a part of what our government is trying to do. Um, and and we, we can do that in a number of ways. We can do that by voting as the very simple, easy way to do that is, you know, listen, if there is a politician that is going to run for office, that is going to stand for the things that you are wholeheartedly convicted about, then and you decide you're not going to vote for that person, you know, you're you're taking away an opportunity to stand up and say, no, no, I stand for this person because I've been praying about this and you know, I really feel strongly about this specific topic and I believe this is the person that I ought to, you know, stand behind. And so I want to make that public. And so that's one way. But, you know, another way that I think a lot of people kind of miss with this transformationalism thing is there are a lot of people who would be really good at politics that don't get involved in politics in any way. And so you do not have to run for Congress of the United States of America to be involved in politics. Uh, You can run for something in your city. You know, you could be, you could run for mayor. That'd be a, that'd be a pretty big accomplishment, but you could also run for other things. Maybe, you know, like comptroller or, you know, it's just a really weird word, by the way, comptroller. I don't know. They're sure they could have come up with a different Uh word for whatever they're trying to say. Um, But, there's a, I bet you in your specific city or in your county or in your school board or some sort of ways, you could be involved in politics and you could make a difference personally rather than simply leaving your vote to chance. And so I think as a transformationalist, when I think about voting, I think the only issue that I personally have with voting where I've kind of been like, oh, man, should I vote? Should I not vote? I don't know, has been like if I vote, how much value does my vote count as? 
So when I lived in Mass, <laughs> no. when I lived in Massachusetts, next right. question. <laughs> when I lived in Massachusetts and I would vote one way, you know, I had to sit back and say, you know, is my vote going to count? And I remember voting in Massachusetts at an undisclosed time. I'm not going to tell you when for a Republican person running for president and saying to myself, I live in one of the most liberal states in the country. Does my vote mean anything? And so there is that idea mm-hmm. that like you're hoping your vote will be something that can help go and transform things. So what I, what I would call people to do is instead of just voting, vote and get out and make a difference personally. Vote and go and do something in your community to make a change that you that you see is right and then kind of see what goes from there. And I bet as I segue over to Josh, Josh would agree with that last statement. Right on. Yeah, so I think, well, I do think it's interesting that um, within the realms of local politics, I think if you are going to vote, that's probably your best bet as far as, as, far as effectiveness or impact, um, because you are, you are voting for something that is literally within the community that you are living mm-hmm. in currently. Yeah. And I, so I do think if you are going to vote, local politics is probably actually um, if I were to get super into it, um, that that uh, probably would be where I, you know, I focus um, because that's going to have immediate impact um, on the church I'm working at, you know, the community around me, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but for me, what I think is really interesting, and again, this is going to come down to uh, here's going to be a, a difference, Marty, within the Romans 13 bit. Um, it's interesting because we talk about authority and also for people who have been listening to this podcast for any given amount of time, this is going to be an extremely Josh thing to say, um, especially when it comes to my reading and understanding of the Bible. Um, Jesus says in Matthew 28, verse 18, it says, in, and this is ESV, um, it says, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And so that's the authority that I choose to tap into is the authority of Christ, of Jesus that influences how I read the Bible. That's why I say things like, hey, I don't read the Bible flatly. I think Jesus's word is is better than Moses's word, for example. Um, And that's why I would say I follow Jesus and that the Bible, we read the Bible, we study the Bible, um, you know, we, we memorize verses because the Bible is trustworthy, but ultimately it shows us how to follow Jesus. And so I I preface everything with that. That is a huge, huge part of why I I think and feel the way that I do. Um, But also I would be, this is another thing, right before I get into my understanding of Romans 13 that I would like to point out, uh, if you recall um, in Luke 4, there's a story of Jesus being tempted uh, in the desert. And one of the temptations uh, specifically within verse five is this, it says, and the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time and said to him, to you, I will give all this authority and their glory for it has been delivered to me and I give it to whom I will. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. And Jesus answered him, it is written, you shall worship the Lord, your God and him only shall you serve. And so for me, that, that speaks some kind of volumes because Satan is claiming that he has rule and domain and authority over all earthly kingdoms, all of them. And Jesus does not tell Satan he is wrong. He does not contradict Satan, he, nothing. He just says, 
you know, you should only worship God. And so for me, that's another uh, thing I base my understandings on. But when it comes to, to verses like Romans 13, um, I take into consideration something like context. And so within this, within the letter to the Romans, Paul is writing to a group of Christians who have been, you know, persecuted, things of that nature. And basically they're getting, you know, up in arms and they're getting antsy. And Paul's like, guys, look, chill out. You are going to get yourselves killed. So I think this specific section of Romans seems to be within the, you know, book of the, the context of Romans as a whole as more prescriptive to a specific group of people uh, within this context. Um, specifically, look, if you guys don't chill out and just respect the government, you will be killed. And then this idea of spreading the gospel, not going to go anywhere. And so that's one thing I would, I would argue um, from my understanding, but also uh, I would then be quick to, to point out that Paul himself doesn't seem to take his own advice. You know, Paul is an insurrectionist. There is a reason he is constantly being incarcerated and people are trying to kill him. And ultimately, <laughs> he was killed uh, because he was very much against the governing authorities standing firmly for the kingdom of God. Um, and so, you know, Paul himself doesn't even take his own advice. That has to speak somewhere into the conversation, at least for me, it does. And then finally, I would say the same thing about Jesus. Jesus did not respect, period, governing authorities of his day. Um, and that's ultimately why he was killed. He was killed by the government because he said, I am king, I am Lord, not Caesar, nobody else. And so for me, um, the getting back to dualism, my problem with dualism, and this is an issue that came within, you know, during the Enlightenment, is we separated this idea of natural and supernatural. Like we put God upstairs, so to speak, and and everything else down here. So we people, we're the ones that rule the earth. We we do everything here. God's upstairs. If you want to go visit Him, that's fine. You do that in your private time. That's personal. That's between you and God. Keep God upstairs. We people have things going on down here, and that dualism has led, in my opinion, to to numerous flaws uh, within Christianity. Um, you know, even when it comes to like our eschatology, this escapism, as we talked about with, with Zach Hunt a, uh, a few episodes ago of, of leaving earth and, and going to heaven, when in reality, creation, God has always been the ruler over creation. You know, God um, made creation. He loves his creation. He is going to restore and redeem his creation. That's the ultimate hope, you know, that we find within, within the realm of scripture. And so dualism separates those things. When I think, uh, it's a false separation, they need to be kept together. Um, because the kingdom of God, I believe has been inaugurated in the death and resurrection of Christ. And so that should affect how we live you know, here and now. And so for me, I mean, I'm not saying people who disagree with me, um, you know, wouldn't at least say this, but for me, following Jesus is like a full time commitment, everything, everywhere, all realms of earth, you know, all realms of life, which is why I have a, a, a struggle with dualism, um, you know, overall. And so I just, uh, for me, um, I, I put my hope, my faith, my trust within Christ. And I know that Marty, you would agree with that. You, I, I'm fairly certain you would agree oh, with yeah. that, that that's where your hope lies, that it's not in politicians. However, I think 
oftentimes politics gets in the way and we get so up in arms. This is why we tell each other they're stupid and we hate you and you're wrong and you don't read the Bible correctly because politics gets in the way and politics becomes our God. Um, and then final, one last point, and then I'll, I'll hop off and let you uh, critique me, Marty. Um, but I often find that voting um, it can really leave us susceptible to uh, laziness. And what I mean by that, since you talked about it, let's go with abortion. We can, it is easy to sit behind our keyboard um, or it is easy for me to sit behind this microphone and say, I disagree with abortion. We shouldn't be, you know, killing babies or whatever you want to say. And then it is easy to talk crap about people on Facebook, to tell them they're wrong. It is easy to write blog posts about why abortion is so terrible. But what are you actually doing about it? And so I think what happens is voting allows us to pat ourselves on the back. Oh, we voted for the, the person who doesn't stand for abortion. We're good to go. When in reality... Uh, we then justify that for an action. What I am much more interested in would be, okay, fine, you want to vote against abortion? Great, do that. But what are you actually doing to help things change? What are you doing, you know, are you going to abortion clinics and praying for these mothers that are making these kind of decisions? Are you offering to support people financially? Are you out adopting children out of the foster care system? Like what are the physical, tangible things you are doing to aid this problem, to bring the kingdom of God on mm -hmm. earth as in heaven? Um, and I think voting oftentimes, not always, gets in the way and gives us justification to be lazy, to sit on our ass at home and not do anything because at least we mm. voted. Well, and I think <clears throat> I think a drop. lot of that's good too. And then, <laughs> Josh, I think the one thing I would say is sometimes voting for the right person makes it possible for us to be able to get out and do and you know actually take action. Whereas sometimes, you know, not voting or, you know, the wrong person being in place makes it actually more difficult for us to get out and do things. And so I think there is there's I think there's a both. And sure, that's fair. Um, so I want to ask you a question and I want to kind of hear your thought process on it. And I'm going to warn you up front that this is, uh, I guess, a devil's advocate kind of a, a question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so Bring I it. think I've heard you say before something along the lines of and you can feel free to correct me and then I'll just I'll just shut up. Um uh, I feel okay. I feel like maybe I've heard you say something along the lines of um, I'm a citizen of heaven, not a citizen of the United States or of, you know, of Florida yes. or Maryland or Illinois or whatever, whatever, whatever place you actually live. Uh, is that a statement that you right. think that you would hold to for sure? Sweet. Yes. And so that helps me ask my devil's advocate question. If you said no, then I wouldn't have a, a question to ask. Um, but so. Ah, oh, dang it. All right. No, then the answer is no. <laughs> you already said it. It's already <laughs> recorded. Go for um, it. Go for so, it. Yeah. Um, as, you, as you answer that question, and, and by the way, I want to preface by saying I would agree with that statement that I would call myself a citizen of heaven and, you know, over my citizenship of the world, over my citizenship of Illinois or Florida or, you know, wherever I've lived in the past. Um, however, uh, my question would be is, Although we are citizens of heaven, um, you know, as we kind of think about what it means to be a citizen of heaven, we still reside here. You know, we still reside in this earth. So like, you know, right now, Josh, you're podcasting to me from Florida. And so you are 
even though, yes, you are a citizen of heaven, and that's not even a figurative thing. That's not even like, a, you know, oh, I kind of am, but it's not really. Well, you really are a citizen of heaven. That That is a that is a foregone conclusion. Um, but thank you for granting that. Not everybody. Would yeah, man, agree. I, 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 I place. <laughs> There's people praying for my salvation. I've placed my I'm hand saying. on your shoulder and I've told you that your sins are forgiven. So I hope I hope you move on. Oh, <laughs> uh, thank you, Pope uh, Martin. But um <laughs> So as so as we take that and we say yes, I am a citizen of heaven. How do we reconcile the fact that in order to be a welcome, moving, and you know just in generally involved member of society, we can't abandon on earth the things that are earthly ways of being involved. So for instance, you can't say I'm not going to pay my taxes because I'm a citizen of heaven not a citizen of, of, of <laughs> right. Florida. You, know, you can't say, you know, well, I don't need a driver's license because, you know, I'm a citizen of heaven. And so here's my, here's my driver's license and hold up a tract and hand it to the police officer pulling you over for speeding <laughs> and say, you know, here's my, here's my citizenship card. You know, how do we reconcile that as believers in your view uh, of that? Because I, because I think it's, I, in my mind, I, I, I begin to see sort of this, this paradox. that's difficult to, to, to resolve to say I'm a citizen okay. of heaven but I'm but you know I would I would hold that over my citizenship of the of the earth simply just because you know it it when when reality sets in it doesn't work for us to just simply say oh I'm a citizen of heaven that's it's sort of like saying oh I prayed about it and it's totally good and and the, the, at least that's in my mind like oh I I got sick last night so someone prayed for me I'll I'll get better soon because of their prayer but I'm not going to go to the doctor and and then find out mm. later on, oh, well, you know, I actually never actually got better and now I'm dying because all I did was pray. And we've seen that happen, you know, where people have said like, oh, we're not going to sure. take our kids sure. to the doctor at all. We're only going to pray over our children. And then those children die. And then those parents get placed in prison yeah. because they didn't utilize the things, you know. And so <laughs> in my viewpoint, right. the way I see it, they didn't utilize the tools God gave them to be good members of mm. this earth. You know, sure. So while they're here, sure. taking care of the things while they're here, so that when they, so they can actually make it to heaven, and <laughs> but also bring others, bring others yeah, with yeah, yeah. them. So I, I guess that's that's more so. So how do you reconcile that thought process personally? Sure. Yeah, that's a really great question, Marty, um, and I appreciate that question. Um, I think what I need to preface the question by first is saying. Um, a lot of times when, and I'm not saying you think this way, Marty, um, I'd actually, I'm not hundred percent sure how you think about this, but for me, uh, when I say I'm a king, I'm a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. I don't mean that when I die, I am going to a place called heaven. I fully and wholeheartedly believe that the kingdom of God is a present reality that is right here on earth currently. However, it is not a fully realized kingdom. Uh, that's why I would fall within the realm of eschatology. People called me or caught would, I'd fall into the, the category of realized eschatology, meaning we're not fully realized that the kingdom of God is here, but it is not complete yet. The, the complete kingdom of God will be when heaven and earth are, you know, joined once again, when the new Jerusalem, you know, comes down, when God is with us, you know, and, and he'll be our God and we'll be his people and the presence of God will fill the earth, like waters the sea. And, you know, we'll be with God again. That's the fully realized. So it's this tension of an already not yet kingdom. Mm -hmm. 
So what I'm seeking to do is live out the reality knowing I belong to this kingdom of God. What what does heaven, this idea, if, if you had to think about heaven as a place that you just go to when you die, um, what happens in heaven? How can we bring those things here on earth mm-hmm. now? And I think Jesus inaugurated that and through the power of the Holy Spirit, um, we are able to continue the work of Christ. You know, Christ says that we're you know going to go on to do greater things than even him. Um, and I think that means he is going to empower us, <laughs> that he is going to continue working through us to do great things. Um, so I would, I would preface it with that, that I believe the kingdom of God is right here, right now. Not fully realized, not perfect, but it is present. It is, it is being inaugurated and we have a role um, in helping to, to bring that in, which ultimately will be completed by Christ. Um, when that will happen, nobody knows. Yeah. Anywho, um, I want to preface it with that. And so... Um, then I would go and I would speak to something like the words of Christ, um, you know, give unto Caesar what is Caesar's, but give unto, you know, God what is his. Which the funny thing about Jesus saying that is like, yeah, sure, fine. Caesar wants taxes, give it to him. But ultimately, everything belongs to God anyway. It doesn't matter. And so I think that government is, um, I would call it an evil, but I would call it a necessary evil. I'm not convinced that anarchy is the greatest thing in the world. <laughs> I think that the government exists as a worldly mm-hmm. thing uh, to keep people in check, to help, you know, um, you know, I think that government exists for a reason. Um, and so I would, I don't have a problem with those kind of things, you know, and also it, it helps me be a better contributing member of society. It helps me be a better witness of Christ if I'm not just out being a, you know, douche all the time, like speeding or, you know, not paying my taxes or whatever. Contributing to society is a positive thing um, because I think we are called to community as Christians and caring for others around us, um, whether they're Christians or not. Um, all of those things are really important. Um, and then... I guess hopefully um, this is helpful as well. I like the the um, the metaphor of an ambassador, um, uh, like this idea that we are ambassadors of Christ. And so, if you, Marty, uh, somehow became an ambassador for you, the United States of America, to New Zealand, you wouldn't. Yeah, to New Zealand. All right, you. But you would represent the U.S. You wouldn't go to New Zealand, become like a big time New Zealand flag waver, get super involved in all their politics, start doing all this stuff because that's not the place you represent. You're an ambassador there. You are seeking positive. You know, you are seeking some kind of relationship there, um, and ultimately, hopefully, seeking peace. But um, you aren't. In New Zealand, you're an American. And so for me, since I believe the kingdom of God is, an, is a thing that is here and now, I'm an ambassador from that kingdom that happens to live in the U.S. So I'm an ambassador to the U.S. I want to do things that make society better. I want to help contribute to things that are positive. Um, since government, in my opinion, is a worldly evil, I don't think Christianity can be brought about through the use of the government, especially not because ultimately how the government operates is through the power of the sword, the power of violence. And Jesus very clearly taught us that his kingdom is not spread that way. Um, you know, he said, oh, trust me, if this was a kingdom of this world, you know, my people would have kicked your ass already, Caesar. Trust me. But that's not how we roll around here. Jesus ruled as a, as a servant. Wait, did he, did, did, so did, think, he, did he actually um, would, say that? I can't remember. Did he use those, those yeah, specific he did. words? He said, yeah, and then like that talking donkey was like, "Hey, don't bring yeah, me into and this." Shrek you know? was like, "I'm over here." And Jesus here. was like, "Sorry, my bad." 
<laughs> Shrek was like, yeah, that stubborn jackass, beat him up. Come on, Jesus. <laughs> That's exactly what happened. Precisely. Yeah. Google it. I'm sure you can find a video, a YouTube video that Jesus posted. Jesus hanging out with Shrek and the donkey. Um, but that's, yeah. <laughs> but hopefully, I mean, I know I said a lot there, but hopefully that at least gets at part of what you're asking, Marty, because I, does that make sense? I don't, I don't want to separate yeah. myself completely from society because I think that's not helpful because then you can't bring the kingdom of God. Sure. I just think that specifically through government is not the best So you way. would say that your idea of an, like, you know, your metaphor of being an ambassador uh, rather than like a direct, you know, specific citizen um, would negate your desire to vote living in a specific place. Uh, so like, you know, along your lines, if you were an ambassador to New Zealand, you know, you wouldn't necessarily vote in in, in the elections of New Zealand. Um, you would, however, probably still vote in the elections of your home country, um, just your home country in your metaphor being a citizen of the kingdom of heaven, there isn't an election ever because that person's going to be <laughs> Jesus that person's king, king yeah. forever, uh, of course. But is that, is that kind of a fair statement? You are the only king forever. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, I don't know if I've fully thought about, you know, the metaphor to that extent, but I think that seems to make sense hmm. to me at this current point in time. Sure, sure. Least. Because um, as I yeah, I think that's a helpful a helpful fleshing out of that. Yeah, and and, and so because uh, as you were going through that before you got to the ambassador part, you had made a, a statement where you had said like you know I am eager to be a member a, a like a good contributing member of society, um, and I think a lot of people attach voting to to, to being a good contributing member of society, um, and so, and I think for I think right. for me a lot of that. You know, as I consider, okay, you know, should I vote? I I remember, you know, when I first became of voting age uh, many, many, many moons ago, um, my thought process was, you know, like, okay, like, well, I've never even done this before. You know, how do I like, what do I do? You know, what should I do? You know, and I remember um, the very the very first election I could vote in. I actually didn't vote, but it wasn't for like some, you know, big, you know, existential reason. It just honestly, I just forgot to register to vote, <laughs> uh, to be honest. And I just didn't do it. Uh, I was my senior. It was yeah. coming up on my senior year. Or I was finishing my senior year and I was just about to turn 18. And so they were offering, obviously, where you could register to vote uh, in advance, you know, and then if the election was going to fall after uh, your birthday, but you were you, you could register now, you could kind of do it early. Um, and uh, what I remember was is there was a girl in my class and I don't want to say her name, obviously, because she there's a there's about a point zero zero one Jennifer one percent chance that she's, you know, listens to this. <laughs> I, I guarantee she doesn't listen to this. But, um, you know, um, she she came to me and she's like, you know, you're a Christian. How could you not vote? How could you not want to <laughs> how could you not want to make this world a better place? And I remember just being like, oh, I didn't I like I did. Honestly, I didn't even think about it. You know, I, it wasn't even a thing for me. Yeah. Um, and but then when I when I That's... registered to vote, the part of registering to vote that actually was difficult for me um, just and I know, Josh, you'll agree with me on this, but probably for different reasons was when I registered to vote, you had I, I had to register also for the draft. 
to be a part of the military. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I had no idea if there, if that was ever going to be a thing, if I'd ever actually need to, you know, like be drafted into military service. I know that a lot of times, especially over the last couple decades, the draft hasn't really been a thing. They haven't ever had to actually use the draft for any purpose. But just putting my name on a piece of paper saying I would be willing to go to battle uh, in the event that I was needed was scary, I think, for me, just as an 18-year-old guy, you know, like, here I am, like, I'm I'm going off to college to be a music major, and, like, I want to, like, play music for a living. And you're talking about wanting to put mm-hmm. me in battle, and I'm kind of thinking, like, I'm sure this card could be used much better on somebody else <laughs> who would actually be equipped to do this mentally and physically. Sure. Uh, and so as I just kind of thought through that, that was more so my thing when I went to actually register to vote. Oh, I also need to register for the draft as well. And that's wow. Like that, I never even considered that. I didn't even know. No one said anything about that. So what I think what held me back almost was there was this, overwhelming amount of pressure. Oh, you've got to vote. And it was instead of it being <laughs> like, you know, hey, listen, let's talk about voting. Let's talk about why why it's important. You know, why I well, while this why here I am explaining it to you. Here's why I think it's important to vote. It was just as I can't believe you wouldn't vote. Just sort of almost this negative energy towards, you know, if you don't do this, you're a terrible person. So yeah, like you imbecile. Right. So coming you yes. heathen. So coming from from me, Marty Frederick. This is the Marty Frederick. Uh, you know, I'm going to put my stamp of approval on this statement for myself personally. Just to sum up our whole episode, um, for me personally, I would say um, if you're a Christian uh, and you're listening to this podcast and you've ever wrestled with the idea of should I vote, or maybe you've never wrestled with it ever, and you just kind of are sitting here saying to myself, you know, I don't know if I ought to vote. I don't think it even matters. And you're saying, wow, Josh is a big idiot. <laughs> my my personal Marty Frederick stamp of approval, I'm trademarking that, by the way, uh, it would be to go out and vote for the person that you see would most, not, not only most well fit your convictions. So if you were sitting in their chair, you personally could say all the same things that they're saying with a straight face and stand for those specific things. Go out and vote for that person. But as Josh kind of alluded to earlier, don't let your 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 pencil filling in a bubble in a voting booth or clicking on a computer screen at the voting booth like it is now. Don't let that be the last step you take towards advocacy of specific things. Uh, you know, because I know for a fact, if you, for instance, if you are just gung ho on women's rights and you know, like, man, I want to stand for women's rights. I want to stand up for women. I feel like women are being just overly attacked in today's society. You know, there's dozens and dozens and dozens of advocacy groups that you can become a part of. And you can it's not just giving five dollars a month from your bedroom either. You can actually become <laughs> a part of this and actually go out and stand for those rights for real. And I honestly believe that that, pers- that that specific action will do so much more than casting your specific vote on a ballot. However, I think mm. both are important. And I think if we do both, it's not so that we can say we voted. It's so that we can say, OK, I'm standing for this specific candidate because I'm standing in line with this person I follow and adhere to those things that they're saying. And on top of that, I'm going to go out personally and take action because here's what I stand for and here's what I think is most important. And so that would be what I would say to do. If you're, this is my personal 
thing. So you can take this as you want and you can hear what Josh's personal would be. But what I would tell you to do is go out and vote, but don't stop there. Go out and vote and Mm. get involved in the Mm. issues that are the most important to you. And then don't stop just by getting involved by giving some money, but go to rallies, go to support meetings, go to, as Josh was saying earlier, go to abortion clinics and find out how you can help beyond just shaking someone's hand and giving them a smile. Don't be that person that's willing to stand outside the door and tell everyone coming, going in and coming out that they're wrong. Be the person that goes inside and meets those people where they're at and forms relationships with those people so that you can actually change them and change their hearts from the inside out. Not just, and it's, and I'll also say, don't go just to change them. Go to be in relationship. There you go. I was about to push back <laughs> on you for that, Marty. Yeah, don't go yeah. just to change people. Don't make them a project. And go there so that you can say, I want to be a part of these people's lives, and I want to change their lives for the better, and I want to help them see, you know, maybe they've made bad decisions and bad choices, and so now I can help them make good choices and decisions, or maybe somebody hurt this person in a really terrible way, and I can help bring them up out of the dust and I can help bring them out of the filth that they're sitting in, you know, the metaphorical filth that they can come out of that and they can find love and they can find it in the place that they never thought they'd experience it. So get out and vote, get out and be a part of what those, what the vote that you, that you pledge actually stands for. Don't just stop at the vote, but go and actually do something about it. Right on, Marty. Sweet. Well, yeah, I guess I'll wrap up with my uh, concluding my concluding remarks, and I guess I'll put my – maybe I'll put my stamp of approval on it. You know, my opinion might be changed differently down the road. I'm always open to, to new things. Um, anyway, uh, one thing that you said that, you know, that, that situation brought up where that girl said, you're a Christian, you have to vote. Uh, as soon as somebody says you're a Christian, you have to do this, that bothers yeah, me. Yeah, me too. <laughs> not, that the, not that they're always wrong, but – uh, when somebody says that kind of thing to me, uh, the first question I would ask her is why, where are you putting your hope that as a Christian, I must vote. Now I'm going to leave that as a rhetorical question. You can answer that for yourself. That is a question you individually as a listener, me, myself, Marty, anybody has to answer that question first. Where am I actually putting my hope? And I think the reason then that people tend to say you have to do this, you have to do this, is because it plays into this idea that, well, first off, we've been taught that. Because within this country, nationalism and Christianity have been so overlaid, so overmixed in a way that I think is completely unbiblical. Um, But I guess, again, that's another episode uh, that we have to be careful and, and work to parse that out. But also it creates this tribalism in us. Like, you know, we get the sticker and everyone posts on Facebook, I voted, which is fine. I'm not bashing people for doing that. But what you're doing is you're identifying with your, yourself a group of people saying, I am with this tribe because I did these things. And so tribalism, eh, I don't know if it's always helpful. Nationalism uh, for sure isn't. And I think the specific kind of tribalism that we're breeding within that realm is, is uh, the tribalism is nationalism. Uh, Anyway, um, I think ultimately what it comes down to, and maybe this is a Josh problem, um, but my question for you is how are you treating people? Mm -hmm. If you are out voting and you go to church the next Sunday, you vote on – can you vote on a Saturday, Marty? Is that a real thing? I don't know. Okay. If you vote on a week – say you vote on a Friday and you go to church on Sunday and you sit next to somebody who voted for – 
the opposite person. If you voted for Donald Trump in this election and on Sunday you sat next to a Hillary Clinton supporter, how would you treat her? That I almost said her. I didn't mean that derogatorily. <laughs> <laughs> how would you treat that person that voted for her is what I was trying to say. Um, or vice versa. If you voted for Hillary Clinton, how would you how would you treat that person that voted for Donald Trump? And I think if you can't treat them as a fellow brother and sister in Christ, that you can't respect them, that you cannot love them, that you do not have hatred towards them, if you can't do those things, then maybe you shouldn't be voting because how you are voting is affecting how you treat other people. And anything that gets in the way of how we treat others, how we love people is a problem. Um, and I guess that also ultimately ties into uh, to something that um, I've said before. But theology, you know, when theology does suck, Marty, when? is when theology hurt when theology hurts people and separates the body of Christ. Mm-hmm. If your theology, if you're so stuck on having the right theology, the right beliefs, the right framework, that you treat people like crap, that you don't look Christ-like, that it's not transforming your life, rather, you know, you just have these things. If it's not affecting how you love people, then that theology is not for me. Um, and you could have really good theological doctrine, but I don't think having the right doctrine or the set of belief is necessarily the right thing. How you treat people uh, seems to be more important. Um, of course, that's a very overgeneralized statement. You could prove me wrong very quickly. However, you guys get the gist of what I'm saying. Um, and then finally, uh, Marty... Um, just something that you kind of you touched on a little bit. You know, you talked about voting for somebody that you could fully endorse. Um, I would strongly suggest that in an, in an election, if there is a lesser of two evils case, which seems to be pretty consistent within our country, then that you can't endorse either of them and you're only picking one because it's the lesser of two evils, I would say don't vote. Because when you put your name next to that person, you're endorsing them and you're you're saying, I'm with this person, at least in my understanding. And so if you can't fully support either candidate, don't vote because then you're, you know, you're casting your vote for something that could uh, very well not be great. Like for me, for example, I wouldn't want to vote for somebody that goes, then goes and starts a war because in my conscious, I would have some role and responsibility in the, the shedding of, of blood. And I'm not for that. Um, again, that's a, a generalized statement, but that's um, those are some of my convictions, and that's how I will end things. So, um, I like it. I'm not, I like it. Yeah, I'm not a I'm not opposed to voting. I just say you have to be careful. For me, I know that I can't vote because I am a competitive person, <laughs> and that could change how I think about somebody. And that sounds stupid. Um, but that's a conviction that I have. But ultimately, my allegiance lies with the kingdom of God. That's where I want to put my hope, my trust, my faith. And then I want to do those things Marty was talking about. Go out and actually live my faith. Because the same thing could be said. It's easy to be a Christian on Facebook. It's easy to be a Christian on a podcast. But if Jesus isn't transforming your life, if it's not causing you to be different, and it's not causing you to, to seek the kingdom of God and bring it on earth as in heaven... I think you're missing something. Yeah, a good friend of mine named Joel always says... Um, Joel Osteen. No. I'm not <laughs> friends with him. If I was friends with him, I'd ask him to help pay for my car that I need to get fixed uh, this week. Yeah, if you could <laughs> if you could sew $50,000... Into the Marty Frederick... Into the ministry uh, of my crappy car, yeah, car and God will bless you. Um, but, uh, you know, um, my, my friend Joel always says, um, you know, if, if you're worried about 
something, you know, like, oh, I don't know about this pastor and his theology, you know, this, this big church pastor, you know, everyone's always worried about, you know, some of these churches out there. Everyone's always worried about Bethel Church or there's always, there's these websites out there that are kind of, oh, Hillsong Church, they're the worst, you know, all these types of things, you know, or people worried about different people like that. Check the fruit and, you know, say, mm. you know, what are, what is the fruit that's being produced because of this? Is it, you know, there's no fruit being produced and it's just a bunch of lofty stuff that no one's actually on board with. And, you know, people are just doing it because it's popular. You know, that's one thing. And then I wouldn't put your I wouldn't put your hope and trust behind any of that stuff. But, you know, if you can look at the fruit and you can say, look, there are real true disciples that are being made because of this person's teaching. You know, people are becoming better and deeper followers of Jesus because of the way that this person is guiding them back towards scripture. They're always turning people back towards the Bible. You know, they're saying, hey, check scripture to see if I'm telling you the truth. Check scripture to, scripture to see if the words that I'm saying are actually accurate and from scripture. And here's where you can find it, but don't stop there. Keep digging, keep looking deeper. I always want you to look. If you can have someone like that, and people are growing in their faith, then that's where you're going to find that. And so the same thing applies to politics, you know, and to these people that go into, you know, office. You can look at whoever you want to look at. Now, I don't care who the politician is, whether you're a Republican or Democrat, we hate this person, like this person, whatever. What's the fruit? What have they produced that have helped the people of this world? But even more so, if you are, mm. you know, if you're bent on making sure that polit- that politicians use faith to back up the work that they do, what's the fruit? Are they driving people to Christ or are they driving people away from Christ? And to be honest, I have not, I've not met many politicians that are going to (laughs) push people towards faith. I do know one, um, and I haven't been given permission to use his name, so I'm not going to, but I know one politician in the state of Michigan that is far and away the most honorable man I've ever met in my entire life. He's a Christ follower. He really wants people to know Jesus, and he's not doing politics because he thinks it's going to better himself. He's doing politics because, simply, he knows that that for him, being involved at the root is where he's going to make the deeper, the biggest difference in the lives of people for the kingdom of God. And so, but that's not everybody. And in fact, that's the small, yeah. small, small number of people who can do that and can do it faithfully and can stick to their, to what their sure. biblical convictions are. Um, so, Hey, sure, Josh, this has been a great conversation and I've really kind of enjoyed talking through some of this stuff. It's been um, a lot of fun to hear your thoughts and to kind of talk about these things. Yeah, man. Thanks. I think it's a it's a good topic. And just one thing, too, that I would be quick to point out, Marty, is I think it, it has to it says not to pat ourselves on the back, but it says something about our friendship. And maybe just so the listeners can know a little bit about more about you and I, that we can engage in a conversation like this and not like not once did we raise our voice at each other or call each other an idiot or anything like that. So I think um, or did we in that has to it speak out. towards something. Oh, yeah, that's true. Matt cut it out. Matt cut out all the times I use the F word derogatorily towards, towards Marty. me directly. Yeah, specifically. And I used it towards a whole bunch of other people, too. But he cut that part yeah, out as yeah. well. So we're thanks, good. Matt. Um, <laughs> yeah, thanks, Matt. But yeah, just, I guess, wrapping up. Uh, thank you guys again for listening. If you've made it this far, uh, we hope that this conversation has been fruitful for you. We hope it's been helpful or at least if anything, the, uh, maybe Marty, you can add to this if you want to. But the one thing that I hope 
people take away every time is that it got you thinking. It got you thinking about your faith in a deeper way. Maybe it's has, you know, made you want to go investigate things more, discover some of these kind of ideas and perspectives for yourself. Cause I know me for sure. I don't want just a bunch of people coming here and being like, Oh, I just want to hear what Josh has to say. I want Josh to say the things I want him to, you know, want him to say, I want to hear the things he, you know, that I want to hear come out of Josh. Don't do that. You know, be challenged, be willing to have conversations. Don't, you know, treat things as an echo chamber. Um, that's the whole point of our podcast. So hopefully you are challenged. Um, hopefully either by myself or by Marty. Um, and then, you know, like we, said earlier we have a twitter feed you can find us on there you can find us on instagram uh, at theology doesn't suck we have a facebook discussion group if you search up on facebook the uh, theology doesn't suck discussion group it'll you know it'll show up there's a cute little question there answer the question we'll make sure that you can get involved in that we're really trying to spark that and get that going um it's been a, a long process we're still learning but hopefully by you joining it can be something greater Um, And then if you have questions, complaints, comments, whatever, want to get in touch with us, uh, go to our website, theologydoesntsuck.com, and use the Contact Us page. Anything else, Marty? Go Blackhawks. (laughs) Go Caps. Peace out. Yeah, 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 yeah